yeah, if you just get him uh, up there, thanks for for all your help, Droid. Um, whatever your name was again. Um, yeah, I don't. Uh, since I had him with all the keys, I don't know the actual code to to get him unfrozen. But you know, just play him up there. I feel like that's probably what Bruce would have wanted, anyways. <sighs> Well, I guess I could just start doing the show with you, droid. Hey, wait. Michael. Well, oh, Nate. Uh, get lost, droid. <laughs> That's, I, I totally forgot you were here. You want me to fill in for Bruce while he's a piece of furniture? Um, you know what? That's, that's actually perfect. You, you want to do it? You want to, you want to take the job? Sure. And, and if you don't like it, we could always take him down off the wall and... I guess melt him in some really hot molten metal. Okay. Might kill him, but it, it might work. No, 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 no. There's no reason to do that. That's really weird. But um, we can we can go ahead and start a show. Sounds good. Enjoy your stay. What have we here? I suggest a new strategy. You truly belong here with us, Funny Club. Welcome, scoundrels, to Cloud City Casino. We are your destination for Star Wars collecting and gaming. And we are currently 288 days away from Star Wars Rogue One. This week, doing uh, the fill-in co-host duties, is Nathan Butler. Hey, everybody. Glad to be here. Not really glad Bruce is gone. I'll miss Bruce, but glad to fill in. Yeah, that's... um. It's going to stink going forward, but... The stink is just the... Look, I apologize about that over <laughs> and over again. Um, oh, yeah, that's right. Like <laughs> I say, don't, don't crap where you work. Uh, uh, maybe I should rethink my policy. I don't, I don't think anyone says that. But it's a good policy. It's, yeah, it is actually probably a good policy. <laughs> Especially if you work in the food service industry. <laughs> oh, that is true. So, all right, man, there's a lot of junk going on right now. I actually just saw today where MakingStarWars.net had got a hold of the cast. You know how, like, a lot of times they'll do, like, oh, hey, you know, we're throwing some stuff together. And, like, I know they gave away, like, iPods for Agent Carter. Well, for Star Wars Rogue One, they had a couple of things. And on one of the, I think they call them like gift bags or parting bags. I don't know what they're called. They're bags of some sort. Swag. Swag. That's right. So they were giving away some Rogue One, a Star Wars story swag. So on that, you could actually see the logo, which was, it's about what you would expect, but it was still pretty cool to actually see it uh, written out, the the official thing that they're going with. Um, And it actually says on there, you know, um, Rogue One in large. And then it's kind of surrounded by the little, uh, the little rimmed uh, piece, if that makes sense. I I can't think of uh, exactly to explain it. But uh, then it says at the bottom, uh, a Star Wars story. And then it has, you know, the Star Wars and the logo and then story kind of a little smaller. It, It actually looks a lot cooler than how... I've been thinking that it would look from just saying a Star Wars story. So that was pretty neat. And they also have a symbol that looks very similar to the Rebel insignia, but it's not the Rebel insignia. Yeah, I like this insignia because it really feels like a cross between the two canonical things we've got now, right? Which, Mm -hmm. of course, is the Rebel insignia, but also that sort of, uh, 
uh, it's like flame bird, I think is what they call it, but the, the bird symbol that Sabine uses a lot as sort of the symbol of the rebel group we have in Star Wars Rebels. So we have something now that's, it really kind of feels like hers, as if usually when we see hers, it's not symmetrical. It's mm-hmm. not exactly straight up and down with the wings equal on either side. And now we got something that's a little more symmetrical, like the later Rebel logo, which makes me think that this is just an, an evolution. I mean, Rebels right now right. is it in the newest episodes, is three years before A New Hope. They've gone from five to four to three. This episode is sometime relatively soon before A New Hope, within about a year from what I'm understanding. So it would make sense that if it's an evolving symbol, that this is a perfect middle step between those two. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool and because it, it makes me wonder, are we going to sort of see that transition from the two logos, either in the show or in the film? I don't think it'd be something that they would make a story point out of per mm-hmm. se, but you know that if they do this as a middle step, that there will be a guidebook at some point showing all those symbols and a nice <laughs> right. little dissertation on why it changed from one to the other. I mean, we got an origin for the symbol back in the Legends continuity with it being Galen Merrick or Starkiller's family crest. So sooner or later, somebody will come up with it. Abel Pena? Jason Fry, Dan Wallace, probably one of them. <laughs> right. Well, and and that see that's the thing because I really did like that whole Star Killer thing how they did it. So I, I hope that they do make it more than just a like oh you know I'm Sabine and I like drawing this and then all of a sudden it's like yep now um now this is the symbol and we're not really going to talk about it too much more than that. So I would like to get something more on it. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if the Starbird I called it Flamebird the Starbird finally does uh, wind up coming back. Though, of course, for those of us who liked The Force Unleashed, unfortunately nothing from those games are part of canon anymore. They're all legends. So we have a whole new background of a lot of things about the Rebellion to expect now. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I, I just I hope that we do see them uh, hashed, not hashed out, I guess hashed out. Sure. You know, I, I hope that we get some, some good quality story with them just because that was... You know, it, it was so nice in the Force Unleashed to to see that and go, oh, this is really cool. I, I like this this backstory. So, I, I don't want them just to go, um, yeah, let's see, because that was she was drawing that, and then you just can put together that at some point that become the symbol. I'm like, it's not good enough for me. <laughs> well, it, you can at least say, you know, well, it was called Phoenix Squadron, that particular group. Right. So if that group is one of the leading groups working with this fledgling Rebel Alliance, it kind of makes sense that maybe their symbol could eventually morph into the eventual symbol. I mean, heck, for all we know, maybe the group in Rogue One that we see going after the Death Star plans or whatever, maybe they are from that same Rebel group because they made a point in Rebels Recon of talking about how there's different Rebel groups. And that's why you see A-Wings and B-Wings here. Whereas in A New Hope, you only see X-Wings and Y-Wings, and it takes bringing the whole Rebel fleet together in Return of the Jedi to actually bring those different starfighter types together. So, maybe. I mean, we'll have to see. We've got, was it 200 and how many days left? 298, 288? 288, yeah. There you go. So We'll see in a few months. Right, right. Yeah, I just, yeah, you completely made me feel like an idiot there, because I'm like, oh, yeah, Phoenix Squadron. I can't believe I didn't put that together. (laughs) Well, but it's not called a phoenix. It's called a starbird. It, the story is like a phoenix, but get it right. Right, right. But it's still, I mean, you know, it's, it's similar. Like, we, we get it. And, and, and the whole idea of phoenix being thrown in there, it, it really, you know, like, oh, yeah, 
I guess those those are that was probably done intentionally. Yeah, so, and they, and they yeah. send their mail using owls and oh wait. <laughs> wait, what? Bad Harry Potter reference. Oh, sorry, I didn't. I, I, I okay. So, uh, I mean, besides that, you know, there's. Uh, I guess we haven't talked about the fact that that we have seen some some footage from uh, from episode eight, possibly. I'm not going to make the whole uh, joke that everyone else goes, oh, we've now seen more of episode eight than we have of Rogue One. Which is true. But is it, though? Because I maintain that we haven't seen anything of, of that. I I totally think that that was either A, footage from The the Force Awakens, where they um, they just took some, some you know, B-roll or whatever, and then they just uh, threw Ryan Johnson on there and go, hey, looky there. Or they're like, hey, we're out here filming. Let's just kind of reenact the scene real quick and then, you know, say, look, there you go, without actually giving you anything. I don't think that what they were shooting right then, I do not believe is going to be in episode eight. I'm thinking it could be maybe the first shot or maybe even we start in media res sometime later and then this is a flashback or something to what happens immediately after she winds up where she is. But I find it interesting that if that is an opening scene and they do run directly into each other, think about how that makes them staring at each other just with weird facial expressions even longer. <laughs> at some point, that silence becomes really uncomfortable. Well, and uh, it, it was, I don't know, it's pretty extreme. I love the camera work on that, but good Lord, they're staring at each other for a while. Yeah, and, and Bruce, I was actually talking to Bruce about this, and he said, well, you know, that will be the shortest crawl ever. He's like, what will it say? Uh, like, seconds ago... Previously on, uh, no, I, I just I think about that scene and I can't help but laugh once the idea popped into my head of he's staring for so long because he's sizing her up and trying to decide is this young woman available or is she family <laughs> or like Leia could she perhaps have been both. So here's here's my thing because no one else is, is calling them out on this and and which I I said beforehand bullcrap when they said it and so now that it's it seems like even further bullcrap then and no one's going hey wait a minute but i'll do it wasn't episode eight delayed for script rewrites i don't know if it was script rewrites but it was delayed yes yeah that was their whole thing is they're like oh we need to do extensive script rewrites and everyone bought it hook line and sinker and it and and this was like a couple of weeks ago and i'm and, and they're like so we need six months we need just long enough for it to be during that Christmas window so we can make bank again. Right, right. Which which I'm fine with. Like I I totally get it, but it's just really funny to me. I I felt like it was pretty ballsy of Lucasfilm to go, "Yeah, uh, we got to do it for rewrites." And then shortly after, "Hey, guess what? We're filming episode 8, guys. See? We're filming it." And it's like, "What happened to that 6 months of rewrites that that you needed to take place like are we going to do the rewrites after? Because that, like, you know, I'm... Look. Well, that's Lucas, though. That was the Lucas <laughs> approach, right? The we'll change... Not we'll fix it in post. We'll change it in post. Oh, I didn't like the way this was filmed. I will use CG to completely <laughs> change the entire scene so it's nothing like what was filmed. It's just that we need some human bodies to slide into the shot. 
Right. Maybe maybe that's what they're going to do. Maybe, maybe they're going that route. Because otherwise, it's like, I mean, what are they using then for? If if they have to rewrite well, the scripts, then it's not very good to be. It- it depends on what's being rewritten, though. I mean, if it's little bits of dialogue or if it's the way that certain aspects of, like, the 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 later stuff that would be filmed plays out, then they can be filming, you know, since they're filming at different locations, they can film in one location and get all those scenes done if what they're working on rewriting is from other scenes if it's just tweaking. Now, if it's a major story change, obviously they can't do that because it may change what they need to film at the first location. But right. I mean, if you've got weeks or months in some cases between filming in one location and another – you could theoretically be tweaking. I mean, apparently, from what we're hearing, Ben Affleck was tweaking the dialogue for Batman on set the day they filmed every single time. <laughs> ben, I think Ben Affleck just sort of... It's like, Ben, that's not your lines. Uh, I was i was tweaking it. <laughs> oh, sorry. I, I'm, I've, been, I've been bashing on that a whole lot. I've already gotten called out on it for Twitter, but it's not going to be good. Let me throw it out there, though, for you. Depends on how spoilery we want to go. Mm-hmm. But I want to toss something out there that I saw, and I was very excited about this, and I didn't even in, I didn't realize what I was seeing until somebody said something. But they put out they, – they had the German Toy Fair. Okay. And at German Toy Fair or Germany's Toy Fair, they had this thing about upcoming Star Wars products, and they showed these little circular images – to go with different projects. And they showed an image of Slave One. That's and right. Underneath, it said Rogue One, as in like the film name, except one wasn't written as a word. It was written as the Roman numeral one, as if Slave One and Rogue One are ship names for that same ship. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm fascinated by the idea that maybe we're going to see Boba Fett within the film working with the Rebels and Slave One is Rebel One, which or Rogue One, which really kind of makes me sit back and think, whoa, if that actually is still his ship mm-hmm. and it becomes Rogue One instead of Slave One, doesn't that mean that at some point Fett is working with the Rebels? Is it undercover? Is it uh, he becomes a good guy for a while and something happens that turns him back into the life of a bounty hunter by the time that we meet him, you know, a year or whatever it is later or is it a different guy? Or, or, or perhaps, you know, we, we've heard the uh, different man, you know, the, the whole uh, James Bond type thing to where it may change out. So the by the time we get to Empire, that may be a different fet entirely. His name is Jodo Cass. <laughs> right, oh. right. You know, that's... Uh, so initially, because this, this came out a while back, and what I what I said at the time was they're just making more Lego stuff, and um, I think that you know that doesn't mean anything necessarily. But thinking about it further now, and especially how you how you mentioned it like that, it's it's likely because we we did also hear some things about uh, a Boba Fett film, you know. So so maybe um, where Boba Fett may not be the center of the film so much but this may be that Boba Fett film that we were hearing rumblings about Boba Fett Boba Fett where <laughs> right here biznatches <laughs> and he can str- and he can strut out early in the film in that same obvious 
pandering, breaking the fourth wall way he does in the special edition of A New Hope to step out and look straight at the camera like, uh-huh. And then he can leave for the entire rest of the film and it would still be okay because that's his stock and trade. That was an awesome segue. Um, so let, let's... Yes! I did something right by accident! <laughs> and then I brought attention to it. It's, it's, exactly. It's just like Bruce. He's always like, oh, let me, let me smooth, you know, go on in here. And I'm like, I see what you did. That was fantastic. He's like, shh, 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 keep it down. I'm like, sorry. I'll, I'll fix it in post. And then I don't. But yeah, so talking about that, there's been a crap ton of different versions of uh, the Star Wars series out. And you actually collect them. How how many do you, different versions do you have? Well, depends on how you're defining versions. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, with A New Hope, if you talk different cuts of it, you've got the original theatrical stereo version. There's a theatrical mono version as well in terms of its sound. Um, they did some releases of little chunks of it on Super 8 and whatnot, but then you've got an original... Uh, you get the version in, in theaters where they added in the A New Hope subtitle, which eventually shows up on home video at first. Then they do a hi-fi remix of the audio. Then they do the THX cleanup on the audio and the visuals. Then you have the special editions. Mm-hmm. Then the DVD editions. Then the Blu-ray editions. Um, what I was collecting initially, when it wasn't really a collection, was just one of each version, like one of each type so I could see it and see the changes. What I'm doing now is I actually collect all of the different U.S. releases across the board so uh, vhs beta laser disc and so on so uh, as far as different product releases here uh for take a new hope for example because a new hope is the one that has the most uh right revenge of the sith being the one with the least Uh, i guess revenge of the sith probably the simplest revenge of the sith uh, one VHS, but it's from the UK because there wasn't from one from the US. Wow. Uh, four copies on DVD, five copies on Blu-ray, so ten copies total. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas A New Hope, it's sixteen VHS copies, only one of which is a is outside the US. Uh, four Betamax, ten laser discs, one of which is Japanese. Uh, one VCD, which is from Malaysia. Two CEDs, twelve DVDs. Uh, five Blu-rays, six Super 8 reels, and four out of the five, because I don't have the other one, uh, Kenner Movie Viewer ones. So if you drop the Super 8 and Movie Viewer stuff because they're not whole versions of the film, I've got 50 different copies at this oh point my gosh. of A New Hope. 60 <laughs> if you count the Movie Viewer and Super 8. It's uh, At this point, it's 50 of A New Hope, 39 or 42 if you count Super 8 of Empire, uh, 39 of Return of the Jedi, uh, 15 of Phantom Menace, one of which is Japanese, one of which is Malaysian, uh, 11 of Attack of the Clones, as I said, 10 for Revenge of the Sith, 5 for the Clone Wars film, and of each of the Ewok movies, 3 each. There's, there's, there's a lot of them out there, although I still find that this is an easier thing to collect and to, to hunt down, mm-hmm. because it's, it's not as big a thing for people collecting than trying to like get a whole toy line or something. Even a current toy line is harder to get all of <laughs> than getting like all of the VHS releases ever of yeah. the films in the U S or laser disc or whatnot. Yeah, that's um, I, I believe that wholeheartedly as someone who's still hunting down some of these toys that are supposed to be out in stores. Um, yeah, I, I, I believe that, and, it, and it's definitely an interesting uh, collection to, to go with. I, 
you know, I because I'm curious now the the Super Eight. How what is it like watching it on on Super Eight as opposed to say the VHS or the uh, the Blu-ray or or so forth as far as the actual quality of the the image and sound. Well, it's going to depend, and for those who want to actually see some clips from those, because I do actually have clips of those particular ones, thanks to the Pugo uh, restorations that were going on, um, I've got a YouTube channel, youtube.com slash user slash chrono radio, C-H-R-O-N-O radio. Um, I've got a series called From the Star Wars Home Video Library, which looks at all this stuff. Um, basically, the Super 8s, for A New Hope, there is... A, a package that has Han and Chewie on it, basically. A little small reel, runs about eight minutes. So it's just little selected scenes, basically. But there's a black and white one with no sound. There's a color one with no sound. And a color one with sound of that. And then there is a bigger package that's the same cover image of Han and Chewie that runs about 17 minutes and has more selected scenes um, <laughs> that was released in like a cardboard package and there was also a clamshell of that same one. And then there's a separate Super 8 that has this, the A New Hope poster art on it that has a different 17 minutes of selected scenes. So if you take those two together, those two longer ones, and, and sort of mix and match them back and forth, you get basically a 35-minute truncated version of A New Hope. With, uh, <laughs> Like, for instance, it's not a, uh, I can't go with you to Alderaan, I got work to do. That's your uncle talking. <laughs> My uncle, how am I ever going to explain this? Learn about the Force, whatever. And eventually he's, you know, it's, you know, I could take you to Anchorhead or, or, or take you to Mos Eisley, wherever you're going. It's like, you must do what you feel is right, of course. On the Super 8, it's just, uh, 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 I can't go with you, Eldorant. I've got work to do. You must do what you feel is right, of course. It just takes that entire conversation in the middle, and it's just gone. Okay. Um, and the the little movie viewer thing is also Super 8, which is basically this little thing that you, you hold almost like a gun. Right. You stick the cartridge in it, and you hold it up to a light and crank it, uh-huh. and you're getting you know maybe about a minute worth at most. And <laughs> that's, again, silent. Uh, no... no sound it's kind of color because they degrade uh, super 8 degrades so that it starts to look kind of pinkish okay. over time um so yeah i mean it's it's, it's like an anna not an annotated version a uh, a bridged version of the films the first time you could actually in the u.s buy a new hope in its full form was 1982 they had this weird thing where it was basically it's it's easy to remember because it's it's basically five, four, three, two, one. It's uh, five years from A New Hope in theaters to home video, so 82. It's four years for Empire, so 80 to 84. It's three years for Jedi, 83 to 86. Then you jump ahead. Phantom Menace took a year, and then it takes until Attack of the Clones to finally actually have a release in the same year that it's in theaters, in 2002. And then since then, it's been the same year or with the fan, or with uh, the Force Awakens, it's within a year, even though it's not the same calendar year because they released it in December. Um, but I mean, it, people forget that it took a long time back in the day to get Star Wars releases to watch at home, at least to see the whole film. People think, "Oh my God, it took so long to come out on Blu-ray or DVD." Well, yeah, <laughs> but at least you could watch it on some other media. Right, uh, right. Us poor schmucks back in the early '80s, you had to wait five years unless you wanted to just watch selected scenes. Mm-hmm. And and see now, just uh, on that, just for a moment, because I've been thinking about this. Is you know, a lot of people always talk about how much uh, a film makes in the box office. 
And it's actually incredibly impressive that The Force Awakens has come as far as it has to only be viewed uh, or, you know, to have such a short time period to, to be watched. Because a lot of people will say, oh, well, if you adjust for inflation, then nothing still still nothing beats the um, Gone with the Wind. It's like, okay, but how many years was Gone with the Wind in theaters with no competition you know, it's a, it's a little bit of a different story. But well, then you also have you also have the fact that you know these days because if you want to watch a film, you know if I, if I don't want to go watch a movie, I know that within about six months mm-hmm. I can just watch it on home video. Right. right. And now, not even that, because a month before, in many cases for films, a month before it comes out on home video, like the April release of The Force Awakens, you'll be able to get it digitally early like with the force awakens you can get it digitally in march it doesn't come out on physical media till april that's right. three months after it was in theaters that's nothing compared to waiting you know for years and mm-hmm. you've got this culture that's very much on demand and the sheer huge availability of bootlegs almost immediately after films come out for those who don't want to pay to see the film um the dynamics of the market have changed to a huge degree you couldn't bootleg gone with the wind Right. You couldn't right, just go see right. Gone with the Wind and then say, <laughs> well, six months from now, I can watch it at home. You had to go see that in an actual theater. Right. It's almost an, it's almost getting to the apples and oranges comparison when it comes to trying to even corrected for in, to compare even corrected for inflation numbers anymore. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and now just uh, real quick, because I'll throw this out because I completely forgot about it as well. Talking about that, it seems like what we're hearing is that it's going to be three discs for the Blu-ray. Yes! Which, that's really promising to me. Um, Because even if it's like, well, one of the discs is... Well, if it's DVD, then that wouldn't be too fun. But but if it's... Huh? No, tell me... You're not seeing the obvious? What? Three discs. Mm Mm-hmm. Disney releases. Think Marvel, three discs, one DVD, one Blu-ray, and finally, for the first time in Star Wars history on home video, a 3D Blu-ray right. release. Right, that's what I was saying. Yes, I'm I'm hoping that we're getting some 3D going. I thought you were going to be one of those guys who was like, it's like, we'll get our whole disc of bonus features. I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> well, now I want I... a 3D release because maybe it'll finally get them off their butts to release yep. the 3D versions of the prequels we already know exists. I and... know not many people have the TVs. Get one. Yeah, well, exactly, exactly, because that's what I was moving to, is that uh, if, if that's the case, because I, I said, oh, you know, if they put those prequels on 3D, or put them out in 3D, then I'm getting a 3D TV. Well, it looks like The Force Awakens may be getting me a, a 3D TV sooner. So, yes, I, I will totally do that. And, you know, that's, I, I've said uh, back when we started the podcast, when I saw the uh, Revenge of the Sith in 3D back at Celebration, it looked good, and the guy who did it is actually the same guy who does the Star Tours. Uh, so he, he's the one who did all the 3D work for Star Tours, and he basically explained that, yeah, you know, it wasn't great when I did it for Phantom Menace, but then it got a lot better for uh, Attack of the Clones, and he's like, I've really perfected it now. And and so we saw it, and I was like, yeah, this looks good. Um because, I mean, you know, I'll say, and I, I know this is crazy to most people, but Revenge of the Sith is probably my least favorite of the Star Wars films, but it it was so much better. It was like a full letter grade better to me watching that in 3D than, than just regular 2D. So, 
I'm excited. I hope we see those prequels come out in 3D. I would love to get this one in 3D. But if we're getting some bonus features, that's good too. That we're good uh, we're apparently supposed to be getting seven deleted scenes. So three discs sounds promising um, either way. But now talking about uh, some of these different um, bonus features and stuff like that. What what are some of the differences as far as the bonus features throughout the 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 different re- home video releases of them because that was my biggest thing that's what actually caused me to get um to finally get the uh the the blu-ray um was it the the complete blu-ray of all six films yeah the complete saga uh it's sort of a bad news thing there really uh m- well sort of good news bad news i guess depends if you are looking for one sort of ultimate release that has all of the bonus features released over the years all kind of pulled together into one. There is no such thing. Right. Most of the time, each of these new releases, when it has bonus features, the bonus features are different than the ones that came before, and then they don't get reused again. You sometimes see them reused across markets, like there was one about How Walkers Walk that was in the definitive Laserdisc collection in 93 that was used in that Executor VHS box set called the Definitive Collection on VHS in the U.K., Really, I think the one time we've seen a lot of old bonus features brought together really in the history of Star Wars home video is when they did that recent release of the digital movie collection because the digital movie collection has those – it has like a couple little short featurettes for each of the films but that are new. But then there's like a legacy archive, legacy bonus features, and it tends to pull bonus features that were in previous releases. Though, there's not a lot amongst that, that if you've already got the DVDs, the Blu-rays, and you know old VHS, that you're going to be missing. Because, um, I mean, aside from Laserdisc, every great once in a while, there really just weren't a lot of bonus features outside that. Bonus features were a thing... I mean, unless you're talking about just quick interviews or quick behind-the-scenes featurettes uh, in 95 and 97 on VHS, they didn't really become much of a thing until you get to the DVDs because just the the capacity for the content wasn't there on the media. Like, you couldn't fit an hour's worth of special features after a movie on a VHS tape. Right, right. And the Laserdiscs were even time-compressed up until... Uh, close to around 93 or so, they mm-hmm. had, you would have to buy it on these extended play discs, which could only fit an hour on each side. So for A New Hope and The Empire Strikes Back on both CED and Laserdisc, initially they cut out frames every once and every so often to take a movie that runs a little over two hours and compress it down to less than two hours so it would fit on two sides and run slightly faster. Okay. So if I'm looking, because I, I got to be honest, I, I really enjoy... Um, all of the the different behind the scenes stuff. I mean, that's when I was a kid. I remember watching them on it was whatever TV channel they were coming on around ninety five somewhere in there. Uh, I remember seeing the behind behind the scenes and and actually seeing George Lucas and him talking about it and stuff and just being like, this is fascinating. This is just as interesting as actually watching The Empire Strikes Back. And so that kind of got me interested in films as far as the making of films and not just watching it as a story. And, and then also um, the different behind-the-scenes stuff and everything. Um, 
so that those I absolutely love, and and I know that stuff has got to be out there. I what I would love to see happen is the the Star Wars YouTube channel just run that stuff just back to back because that was one thing I noticed that they were doing a little bit back when we had Force Friday when they like between the the different people doing the unboxings they would kind of play a little bit uh, of, of some of the behind or you know some some commentaries and stuff like that and I'm like that's fantastic I know they have to have this stuff in the archives why would they not just keep that going you know just keep a, a live stream all the time well, you know, it's funny you talk about that for the the YouTube channel, but I remember, I don't remember which celebration it was, but it was the first time that I, I guess it had to have been within the last few years because it was I listened to there was like a Star Wars spectacular channel on satellite radio where you could listen to live panels from celebration, and I was listening to it when I first got my car because that's when I still had a satellite radio freebie subscription. Um, and there was a panel about what new content is coming to StarWars.com, and they talked about we want to add more streaming video, including the entire runs of both Ewoks and droids. <laughs> and they never did it. Yeah, yeah. But unless they're planning on putting those out for sale, that'd be another good thing they could put onto their right. their channel. The good news, I guess, with the bonus features is that, it, that because they really didn't get going heavily until DVD, if you want to get them, mm-hmm. if you got the complete saga set, either the one released in 2011 or the one re-released last year, then you've got all the Blu-ray special features. For the DVDs, whether you've got the individual releases of the prequels or that 2008 box set, you pretty much got all their bonus features because those were just, the the box set is just a slipcased version of the exact same ones we got before. They do that a lot with just re-releasing the same thing in new packaging. Um, With the original trilogy, if you got one of the 2004 sets, you've got that bonus DVD, and if you got either the set from 2006 when they were individual or 2008 where it's a box set, you've got the ones that have the original unaltered edition as the bonus feature. And, I mean, really beyond that, all that you're really missing, aside from some Laserdisc special features, right, which are extremely difficult to come by, uh, from the Definitive Collection, the only real bonus features to speak of, aside from trailers, would just be to go back to the... 1995 THX Remastered Edition where they had the Leonard Malton interview with George Lucas that's cut up into the three pieces. Or in 1997 when they released the special editions on home video, there were those little teeny tiny featurettes about the changes made to that particular film. That if you got the VHS collected set, you actually got that as one feature on a separate VHS tape instead of little bits on each of the other VHS tapes. But special feature-wise... It's mostly stuff from 2000 onward to get, which aren't as difficult to find, although some of them are more expensive. Like the 2008 box sets, good luck finding an original trilogy that's not going to run you about $100. Whereas the original video rental only release of A New Hope from 82 will often run you about 70. So it costs more to get a recent set from 2008 than the original A New Hope on home video from 82. And that's how in demand they are. Now, and now that's the, is that the one that's the silver bare-chested Luke uh, holding the lightsaber up in the air with, mm, is that, that a different one? That is, uh, for the DVDs, mm-hmm. the, the thick boxes with four DVD cases in it is 2004. 
The okay. thick box with three DVD cases in it is 2005. 2006 has no box set except for the Best Buy Collector's Tin that's kind of purple. And then you get to 2008, because surprising that there wasn't another release in 2007 on the anniversary. Uh, in 2008, it's a in, for the original trilogy, it is a blue and black box set that oh, okay. has three slim cases in it. Gotcha. Okay, it's the exact yeah. same disc from 2006. They just put them in slim cases and stuck them in a box. Right. That's right. And now, and that one is worth so much because that came with the letterbox editions of the original, like well, the unaltered, right? Yes and no. It does. But mm -hmm. what's happening is that a release will come out, and then within about a year or so, they'll re-release the exact same thing. And right. not as many people will buy it the second time around because they already bought it the first time. And when those go out of print, it winds up being those later ones that are worth more. So, like, so many people okay. bought the film, the DVD version with the original unaltered version in those two-disc releases in 2006 that they saw the ones in 2008 were like, and were like, screw it. I already bought this two years ago. I just don't have a case for it. I'm not spending this money again. Right. And sure enough. Right. And that's what I have is the, the two-disc sets. Same thing's the case really with the prequels. It's it's difficult, though not mm -hmm. as difficult, to find a a decently cheap uh, red and black 2008 set of the prequels, which is really just a repackaging of the prequel releases from you know, 2001 for Phantom Menace, 2002 and 2005 for uh, Attack of the Clones or Revenge of the Sith. It's, but I'll tell you, if you want to get into collecting this stuff, eBay is your friend. <laughs> uh, I've managed to basically find the vast majority of it in within the last maybe two years that I've wanted to find on eBay. It's just that every once in a while you run across something maybe that you want that you're going to have to pay a little bit more for because there just aren't as many of them out there. You know, simple supply and demand. But if you're really wanting it, get it while you can is, is the lesson that I have learned because you never know when it's going to come back around. I'm still kicking myself because there's one Japanese copy of The Empire Strikes Back that I really want and I've been looking for it for a few weeks now and haven't found a single copy of it. <laughs> now, um... Let me ask you this real quick. Which one of the DVD sets... Now, I've heard that the Empire of Dreams is a really good one to watch, and that was apparently mm -hmm. on one of the DVDs. It only came out on one of those sets. Which one was yeah, that? That was 2004. They okay. had a New Hope, Empire, and Jedi get one disc each inside their own little cases, and then that fourth DVD case in the 2004 set has Empire of Dreams, some trailers, and other bonus features. And those were bonus features that were only there. Although... If you just want to watch Empire of Dreams and it doesn't matter to you to have the other ones because you've already got them, you will relatively frequently see screeners, like Emmy screeners, of Empire of Dreams that show up on eBay. Oh, okay. I've actually got the DVD and VHS screeners of it. The screener's a little bit different than the finished version, but not noticeably so, not really. Okay, cool. Yeah, because that's I've, I've been wanting to see that because I've been hearing about it and I just haven't... Uh... Haven't picked that up since it's really good. I wasn't sure which really one. Is. It's that probably the in. best Star Wars documentary I've seen. Okay. Let's head on over to the Degeric table and talk about some of the new releases that have just come out. We have <laughs> Sorry, I turned it on by bumping it with my elbow. <laughs> <laughs> and Chewie's gonna pop up. What's uh, that out right now? Well, Imperial Assault has two new releases, and Imperial Assault's a weird one, right? Because it's got this interesting user-friendly business model that sort of splits people down the middle on whether it's a good idea or they're being cheated, where they'll put out a core set or one of their boxed expansions 
And then right around that same time, you've got a wave of ally packs and, vi and villain packs. And basically those ally packs and villain packs have characters from the box set. The box set will have a ton of miniatures, but then they'll have a few characters where here's your deployment card and here's a token to represent them. And then in that wave is here's a release of those characters, like Leia, for instance, from Return to Hoth. Here's a Leia expansion or a Leia ally pack that actually has a miniature instead of a token, a duplicate of the deployment card, and some other gaming materials that are actually new and useful to you playing the game. So they've got this thing where basically if you want to play with the characters but don't want to buy the expansion or the uh, the ally packs or villain packs, you can because you've right. got tokens for them and their deployment cards in the box set. But if you want to play with the miniature, you got to buy it separately, but you also get other gaming stuff with it. I think it's user-friendly. Some people say, oh, I can't believe they're not giving us a miniature in the box. That's right. crap. Now we got to buy it separate. <laughs> but then there's the, the other side of, yeah, well, at least they gave you a token instead of making you buy it as the only way to play it. So it, it goes right. either way. But they've been doing that for most of their sets. So most waves of Imperial Assault so far have been, here's a box set, and here's the stuff to make up for the tokens. Only four releases that they've put out for Imperial Assault, four ally or villain packs, have actually been new stuff that has nothing to do with the box set that they've just released. They mm -hmm. had, I believe it was Hired Guns and Wookiee Warriors a while back. Just last week or so, they released, I guess two weeks from now when this comes out, they released two more, which are Bantha Rider, which is about 20 bucks, and Alliance Smuggler, which is about 10. Bantha Rider is literally a Bantha with a Tusken Raider on the back uh, that only has an elite version, by the way, does not have a regular deployment card. And then you've got Alliance Smuggler that has an elite and regular version of it that has a really cool new ability, or I think it's a new ability, uh, called Slippery. Um, I was amazed that they finally put out something else that wasn't from a box set. And they're actually two pretty cool little little uh, additions to oh, yeah. Imperial Assault. I'm, just, I'm excited to actually get a chance to try playing with them. Yeah, so the um, <clears throat> the, the Bantha Rider, not to, to give too much information on, on stuff, but... He is hardy for the points. Um, he only costs nine points, which is really cheap for this game. So for comparison, Darth Vader only has 16 health and costs you 18. Um, that's that's huge. I mean, he, he costs double and you're getting five less health. And the thing I thought, well, it'll probably move pretty slowly, but it moves for five, which is really fast for this game as well. Um and and just from a the perspective of someone who doesn't play as much, mm -hmm. which sucks, you and I are really going to have to sit down and do a, a a true campaign over multiple sessions here at the apartment oh, yeah. at some point, and we can report back on the show. <laughs> um, but I I tend to look at these in terms of their sculpts because I'm not someone who paints them. It needs to look good out of the box. Right. And aside from kind of the weird face if you look straight on the face of the the bantha both of these two new miniatures are really detailed really nice yeah. sculpts i was very impressed by the bantha rider i mean it comes in multiple parts it can be taken apart it's one of those type of figures because of the size of it mm -hmm. but i mean it's really impressive yeah i like the uh so it has the tuscan raider on top and i love how he's kind of got his uh his rifle up in the air uh, looks really cool. It's he's he's sort of just holding it sideways. I don't know how to explain it exactly, but it's it's more of an action pose instead of just your like, eh, I'm just sitting on my my bantha, just chilling. Um, 
That's what it sounds like. You, you see yeah. his, you see his pose, and that's immediately what goes through your head is. Ah, 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 ah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's now Alliance Smuggler. For his part, I mean, he's also very detailed as well. I mean, he's his action pose is a little odd because he's leaning back to fire. It almost looks like there's so much recoil in the blaster he's going to fall on his butt. Um, but the stuff that they did with his vest and the detail of that and the wrinkles on right. his coat in the back, I, I think they're getting to the point where the, the miniatures, I mean, the miniatures really for X-Wing and Imperial Assault have been pretty detailed straight through. But the figures have have really varied. And it seems mm-hmm. like they're really getting into more detailed figures now than they had early on. And it may just be that now we've got characters wearing coats or shaggy fur instead of armor. But it, I was impressed. I, have, I don't think I've seen that level of detail. Which is the opposite of what Hasbro does, which is giving us less detail. Okay, I'm sorry. That was a For cheap shot. For more money! <laughs> that was a cheap shot. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But uh, yeah, I, I really like it. And like I was telling you, on the because I was stuck in traffic on the way over, and I'm like, well, I'm just sitting here. So I'm sort of messaging back and forth with Nate, and I'm like... Oh my God! These I've got to get a bunch of these smugglers because they cost nothing, <laughs> and they are they're really really cool. The, the different abilities, but uh, real quick, I, I do want to mention another thing that makes these uh, these Bantha riders great. Besides the fact that they move pretty quickly and they have a ton of health, they have uh, a, an ability which is called Stampede. When you end your movement in spaces that contain uh, other figures, each hostile figure in your spaces. Or yeah, in your spaces suffers one damage, so you don't even have to roll dice. You just run him out there. Um, so the way that the game goes, you can pretty much just run into anybody you want and make them suffer damage. It's. I think that that is something that I've been very impressed with. I seems like I'm glowing for Fantasy Flight games. They've done plenty that have annoyed me, especially their way of releasing the new X-wing core set. Those <laughs> jackasses. But. Um, <laughs> I've been very impressed with their ability to take a sci-fi franchise like Star Wars or sci-fi fantasy, whatever, Mm -hmm. um, and take game mechanics and make it logically fit something that you would see within the Star Wars universe that makes logical sense as a game mechanic, like Slippery for the the Smuggler or like Stampede for the Bantha. I was actually just reading uh, one of the recent RPG books, uh, Lead by Example for Age of Rebellion, and they even, in introducing the concept of leaders uh, or commanders within Age of Rebellion, point out where here's Riken and here's Akbar and here's Crix Maidine and here's what classes they would be or or specializations they would be because of these things that you see them doing in the movies. Um, they they've really done they they've put in the time to make it fit the universe and feel like it's sort of a logical thing. I think that's why right. these games, even no matter how complex they get are still kind of easy to follow and easy to learn because everything feels like it's a logical extension of what the characters would do in a story if there were no game mechanics involved anyway, you know? Yeah. Oh, I agree with you completely. It's, uh, I mean, it, I, I have so much fun. I've, I've got to, I own all of their continuing games. I still have not picked up their, um, whatever the little $10, $15 pack one is, like the standalone the, uh, game. Empire versus Rebellion? Yeah, I, I could get it. I just haven't been as interested in it. Um, it's, it doesn't have the same level of depth in terms of the game mechanics because, I mean, it's basically just a standalone game. But right. I love it. It's like it's like a, it's a strategy game meets blackjack, basically, in the way that it plays. And it's and it's a lot faster to teach and play. I've actually got a, a demo game of that entire game, uh, one entire game of that on my 
my YouTube channel because it was just like, well, heck, it's that fast. Might as well do it real quick and entice people to play. Maybe somebody will play with me. <laughs> yeah. And my wife's like, I'm so tired of this. <laughs> But she was the one who, when playing X-Wing, got bored enough that she suicided all of her ships at the end. So, oh, wow. know, I gotta be careful. Well, Christy, as long as I let her be who she wants to, she she enjoys it. Actually, what caused me to get into X-Wing was her wanting to play it. But then she she's just like, I don't have time to play anymore. But she was constantly destroying me because she would play Chewbacca. And I'm like, it's too hard to try to kill him when I'm trying to learn the game. Um... But yeah, the the Alliance Smuggler, like I said, not to give too much info on him, but he's got some pretty sweet stats, and he only costs four points, which is so cheap. I'm like, well, I'm going to have to buy like four of these guys. So I, I think that's kind of how they, they get you in the end. But, um, you know, I, I don't care. I don't mind. I don't and mind buying the different ones because you don't, you don't have to. Like, I don't own a lot from this. I only own just a few things to play the the list that I'm playing right now. You know, the, uh, uh, the, the prices vary depending on the number of miniatures and how much plastic basically is inside the package. And mm-hmm. Alliance Smuggler seems to be one of the absolute cheapest ones you can buy for Imperial Assault. So I wonder if I'm putting the bug in your ear, just like when, uh, <laughs> uh somebody said, I, was it, yeah, I guess it was me. I guess it was on Beyond the Films talking to Mark said, you know, those ships for X-Wing individually are only about 15 bucks. <laughs> now he's a, but yeah, oh, I mean, it's, it's a very, it's a fairly affordable addition to the game. Right, right. Yeah, like I said, well, I mean, once you, if you multiply that by four, it's going to be a little more expensive. And I may not need four, but I mean, I could easily run. Actually, <laughs> if you multiply it by four, it'll be four times as expensive. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um... But you know that's that's what's so great because it's you look at it too and you're not going oh well I have to get four of these now I don't really have to because I, I've been playing the uh, Rebel Saboteurs and that's what I would have to pull out but by the same token the Rebel Saboteurs are still really good they do different things they're both really good in their own regards so I don't know I I really I've been playing Imperial Assault lately uh, I've been playing Armada a little bit as well. Um, I just I love Fantasy Flight and the Star Wars games that they they put out. They just they do such a great job, um, and I think that they make all of their games. I think that they do a, a good job of making it um, much cheaper. I mean, pretty much any type of game like this that you're going to get miniatures games and stuff is going to be expensive. But if you're looking just to go, hey, I'm only going to play. Um, Rebels. You know, I suggest to anyone who wants to to get into like a game like this, try to like watch some YouTube videos. If only there were some YouTube videos that people could go to watch to see these things. But uh... I know, man. <laughs> I don't know. No, actually, I I'm a little behind on the RPG stuff. But uh-huh. if you're curious about the miniatures or what cards are in the uh, LCG packs, I pretty much get everything and put up a little quick review. But I don't do the piddly little stuff. Like, I'm not going to pick up, oh, look, here's a little plastic thing you can put your maneuver dial in. How cool is that? Yeah, no. <laughs> of course, I'm also the guy that also bought another dice pack and another maneuver dial, so whatever. <laughs> I'm so, a schmuck sometimes. Yeah. It's, um... No, it's it's that, that that's what I suggest to people, though. Go, go watch those videos, and you can get an idea for some of the different stuff. And, you know, I, I because the thing is, m- the better players are going to be playing the same list 
over and over for a while, and they may change them a little bit. So I would suggest saying, okay, I'm only going to play Rebel, or I'm only going to play Imperial. I can tell you it's going to be cheaper starting out to play Imperial, because uh, you can buy, you can make a really good list uh, with Darth Vader, and all you have to buy is the actual core box. You can make you can make a few different variations of a good Darth Vader list. And if you want to make him even better, in my opinion, just pick up the uh, Imperial Champion. You don't have to, but there's some really there's a couple of cool cards with that. Um, that I said Imperial Champion. It's a Royal Guard. Royal Guard Champion. Yeah. Royal Guard Champion. Yeah, um, I really like. It's called Parting Blow. Um, there's two Which, cards that come in there again. As I clarified on the YouTube videos, nothing to do with Clinton. <laughs> I did not part that blow. Anyway, uh, I will say, I guess we should probably clarify, though. You will sometimes hear people refer to Darth Vader as the Darth Vader villain pack. Right. Technically, it is a villain pack, but what they did in the core set was they included the Luke ally pack and the Vader villain pack inside the core set just so you could kind of get a feel for what a, a villain and ally pack was so when you buy the core set you get them if you're trying to look for them separately as a retail product you're not going to find them i've seen some people pull them out and sell them that way on ebay but i mean you're going to need the other stuff in the core game anyway don't go looking for that as if it's a separate product it's in the box right, right. with miniatures in the box mm-hmm and and you know that that's the thing is the corset's got a ton of stuff. The list that I play is uh, I, I actually use Luke. Um, I don't use anything else from the the corset as far as the the miniatures, but uh, I, I use Luke, Leia, and then uh, I have I bought two packs of the Rebel Saboteurs. Oh, that's not true. I play uh, Gideon. I use him. He's from from the original pack. So if you're playing Rebels and you're not playing Gideon, you're doing it wrong. Um, that's one of the hero characters. If you're not familiar right. with the character of Gideon, there are uh, when you're playing in a campaign, you have to play primarily as one of these heroes that they created for the game. And if you're playing in skirmish mode, you can use those same characters as part of your characters, but you're not restricted to just those. Right, right. And that's another thing I should probably elaborate on, too, is I I'm speaking specifically from a, a skirmish standpoint. I don't play the uh, the campaign as much. There's It's really two games in one. It's uh, sort of like Dungeons & Dragons, but a lot more streamlined so you don't have to uh, learn as much and everything it'll pretty much take you through everything and uh and, and sort of show you what your your players will go up against but it's as far as like uh allowing your your stuff to upgrade and everything it's it's a, a much more mm -hmm. simplified role-playing style game um yeah it's like in the campaign you're playing campaign missions and side missions uh they have determinations at the end of, you know, what are the win conditions for each mission? And okay, what happens if the Empire wins? What happens if the Rebels win? What mission is next in line? As you get rewarded for what you're doing at the end of each, you're getting cards to add that you can then play the next time you play a mission, and the next time, and the next time, and the next time. And all these little side characters like Alliance Smuggler and Bantha Rider we're talking about, you can sort of freely play them in skirmish mode. But like if I wanted to play as Alliance Smuggler, there is a side mission dedicated to him. And I'd be playing with my regular characters in the campaign, whatever I've already got. And then if that side mission comes out and I win as the rebel in that side mission, since that's a rebel character, the reward is that I can bring Alliance Smuggler into my arsenal of characters I can play as. If I were to lose that one 
I wouldn't be able to play as Alliance Smuggler in the campaign. Bringing something into a campaign usually requires winning it, whereas bringing in a skirmish is just building your list, kind of like X-Wing or Armada. Right, right. Yeah, and, and this, like I said, skirmish is what I, I play. It's just the, the head-to-head. Both of them, I think, are really fun. That's been our show. Uh, you can go ahead, and if you want to get in touch with us until our next episode, you can send us an email at cloudcitycasino at gmail.com. We also have a Facebook page, which you can go and like, or you can find us on Twitter at Cloud City Casino. Um, I am at Morris Isley on Twitter, and Nate, I know there's like a crap ton of places where people can find you. This is true. Uh, well, of course, Star Wars Beyond the Films and the Star Wars Report Rebels Roundtable can be found alongside Cloud City Casino at StarWarsReport.com. Uh, you can also find Facebook pages for those shows. My personal Facebook page is up there. My author page is up there. Just search Nathan P. Butler with that P in it. And uh, oh, that just sounded like, you know, I was talking about uh, an old school chamber pot or something with that P in it. <laughs> is that what you're uh, using in the vault? That's what I was using in the vault, of course, of course. But it wasn't just that P. Anyway, uh, there were some numbers in that as well. Um, but kind of like a three. There, is a, there was a one and a two in it, I'm just saying. Uh, <laughs> it's the old George Carlin thing. Hey, ten twos and a one. Uh, talking about some, he had some bad stomach acid. Um, wow, wow. Um, I am on Twitter at, at SWFanWorks, but that basically reposts the posts from my Star Wars timeline gold facebook page uh which is a great place to go if you are looking for you know chronology talk if you're looking for the gaming stuff again i would suggest the youtube channel youtube.com slash user slash chrono radio where i am uh, of course doing the reviews of all the different uh, fantasy fight game stuff i have some demo games up and am doing some live streams just recently did a live stream of all the disney infinity 3.0 campaigns and now uh, or at least the star wars campaigns and i do live streams of battlefront Though now that I'm level 50, there's nothing to do. <laughs> I need to get back on that. I, I tried to play Battlefront uh, the other night, and my internet said, mm, no, no, you're not doing this. My internet likes it when I play it. When I live stream it, it likes to stutter. So, you know. <laughs> awesome, man. And um, a- as Nate said, you can find us at uh, over at the StarWarsReport.com website. And then we are also on iTunes. And uh, if you don't mind, go ahead and leave us a review, uh, written preferably, five stars preferably. But um, if you do that, then we will certainly read that out on the show. Uh, But we are also on Stitcher and TuneIn. So, like I said, find us there depending on which one works best for you. Uh, That's been been our show, and uh, I appreciate everyone listening in. And never forget, let the Wookiee win.
or don't let the Wookiee win and then have your arm ripped off and replace it with the red one that you then can walk around going, oh, I guess you didn't recognize me. I have a red arm. So, I don't think it was actually a Wookiee, but hell, they've delayed the comics so many times. We don't know why. <laughs> Man, this better be good as, as, uh, as much as they've delayed that dang comic. I want to find out that what actually it that it's not actually red paint or red metal, it's blood because <laughs> he was just getting back from doing a a a manual uh, colonoscopy on a bantha or something and have it be that fucked up. Or maybe maybe it's just uh, they've fitted him with since you know they're so short-handed in the resistance. <laughs> that. <Sure>. <laughs> <laughs> that they, <laughs> that they had to upgrade him with a uh, some sort of combat training, and he's just going around heart punching stormtroopers. There you go, there you go. He's doing that uh, fist of the North Star punch all the way through the body kind of shit. Yeah, the the C three PO standalone film by Quentin Tarantino. It's red, so you won't see the blood. I, th- I mean, I think we pretty much covered everything on that. That we have, and I just right. sniped an eBay auction and got another thing for the home video library while we're sitting here. Nice. This part is home.